Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Kick in, okay, and then I'll do a little intro and then we're off, mate, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay, so Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 62. Anton, I've been practicing this one. Anton Otolowakowski. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, fine. What was the head, Bob? You're not, not too sure on the pronunciation. A good, a, good effort, a good effort for the surname. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? Was it right? Kind of. <laughs> we'll leave it at that, mate. We'll leave it at that. Episode 62, as I said, just off air to you, that we have been... You know, you was just before my time as a Mill fan. I started going in 85, so I, I won't remember it, unfortunately. Sorry. So you can guide me through. I've got plenty of notes, but the amount of fans, you've got to get Anton on. You've got to get Anton on. Very, very fondly remembered, mate. Very fondly remembered at Millwall. Yeah, I. Um, it's incredible. When I go down the ground, I am still recognised, unbelievably so, considering I haven't been down there for years. You know, I haven't kind of, I've been out of football for so many years. Um, but... I don't know, Millwall, so special to me. It, I felt really proud and privileged, you know, being part of the setup at Millwall and mm. being a, an ex-player as well. Um, they're just kind of, they don't know something about the club when I was there and the supporters. It was just that sense of belonging. You know, you, you wanted to be there. You wanted to put in a good performance. You wanted to play well for the, for the fans. You know, it was like that. Yeah. Brilliant, you got on board, mate. Fantastic. You played 114 games and scored 14 goals, 83 to 86. Before we move on to, yeah, you're nodding. I hope that's right. Well, I've done extensive. Yeah, it is, it is, yeah, it is roughly about that, yeah. Yeah, I think you joined in March um, 83 from South End in a double deal with Dave Cusack for 60 grand. George Graham bought you to the club. I researched this. South End were in the same division at the time. So, how did this Millwall, come about yeah. you coming to Millwall? Um, well, um, uh, George kind of arranged to be, meet both myself and Dave separately, of course. And Dave settled, Dave Cusack settled on a deal and I didn't kind of thing. Um, oh. And um, so I think the chairman at the time got involved, Mr. Thorne, and um, I met him separately and we kind of agreed. And then I joined the club. Nice. What was it? Was it? A money situation or something like that? Uh, I can't remember, possibly. <laughs> it's very shrewd of George to meet you separately as well. Yeah. He did come down to, um, I'm sure he came down to South End. Yeah, he did. He came down to South, South End to, to meet us both. Yeah. yeah. Just um, just on that note, I, when I researched this, obviously, I found you double deal with Dave Cusack. And, uh, you know, shout out to Dave. Really sad to see he's got dementia, hasn't he? I... Someone told me some time back that he kind of had the early, you know, the early signs of dementia. Yeah, apparently it's got quite bad. Now. He remembers the, he remembers his games and the playing days, but it's the more recent stuff. So yeah, still got mm. a middle memory. So it's, you know, that'd be fantastic for him. But um, yeah, okay. So move on. Actually, I wanted to ask you one thing: the the your your surname, and this just ties in with a few questions I want to ask you. It's of Polish descent, is that right? Yeah, um, my. My father 
uh, fought with the Polish army, who we were, you know, England were kind of uh, allies of the Polish army. Yeah, and so he kind of went throughout Europe with the army and the English and the Poles. Um, he landed here and then he had a choice to go into um, agriculture or the textile industry, chose the textile industry. Uh, the move was imminent to America. He got a sponsorship from family over in America to go over to America. And just three weeks before he was due to go, he met my mother, decided not to go. And so, you know, 40 odd years later, four children later, he, um, you know, we ended up staying here and uh, he created a family. So, Brilliant, mate. That's great to hear. And the reason I touched on that as well is, I'm sure Steve Lovell said this. I don't know whether it is in jest, but he will get on to it say more later. But he said he owes a lot of assists to you for penalties that you won for him. And he, yeah. he said he thought you'd come from a gymnastic background. Was that right? Yeah, was I, was, I was an international uh, schoolboy school international gymnast, yeah. Did you incorporate that into your game at the Den? Well, um, I think just football in, in general, I... Um, yeah, I was kind of flexible, um, agile, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I could leap and quite high, uh, thanks for my, you know, diminutive stature. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, yeah, and I suppose um, to a certain extent, if you are very su supple uh, and gymnastic-like, you can avoid some serious injuries as well, yeah, because you know how to ride the tackle and roll out of the tackle. That type yeah, of thing. You was a you was a flying is that right? You was a winger, flying winger. Yeah, I was like um, not saying flying, but I was more of a midfield kind of left side midfield type player. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we, we 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 played a strict four four two back in the day with George, mm. um, uh, very effectively as well. And I think because he was coached by Terry Venables at Palace, he brought that kind of very regimented. Um, repeat, repeat, repeat kind of training yeah. to Millwall and instilled in the players, you know, what you had to do, when you had to do it, and all of that. And it just, we gelled just perfectly. Yeah. So it's funny because I was going to ask you about that because he is obviously notoriously, as a player, for the, some of the younger viewers maybe watching, George Graham was a very attacking player, but he's notoriously known for being a very defense minded and well drilled yeah, manager. Yeah. He, um, I think you probably heard some of the Arsenal, you know, the famous Arsenal mm. back for Adams and Winterburn. Um, is it not Winterburn? Yeah, anyway, one of the players. I can't remember the players then. <laughs> uh, but um, just went through um, the practice of, you know, the shape of the back four and the discipline of the back four. And that's what he did with us. Uh, and it was, he started, he started the training always with the back four. And then we'd move to midfield, we'd move to forwards, then we'd all work together. And uh, But it was very disciplined, which I loved, because as much as it was disciplined, it all also gave me the uh, the freedom to go forward. When mm. Whereas where I'd been previously at South End, I, yeah. I was told to be more of a defensive-minded player. But when I, when I did what I did at South End at Millwall... Josh said, look, Anton, I, I don't want that. You know, I want you to go forward. Leave, leave, you know, leave your player for Stridey, who was playing left back, David Stride. You Brilliant. leave it for him and and you go forward. So that, you know, that made me to more of um, uh, an attacking kind of player. Yeah. And, and creative as well. Yeah. What was he like, the tactics aside, what was he like as a manager? What was he like as a, as a man? Because... It, I don't know, he just comes across to me like, well, you wouldn't want to mess with him. He seems quite a harsh character. Well, I I always got on famously with George. It was yeah. fantastic for me. It was really lovely, you know, really great man, a great manager. Um, I couldn't wait to get to work in the morning because I just I I was I just listened to his every word because it was um it was like food to me. I was learning something uh, and it was an education and, and it was amazing. So it was, um, you know, I just couldn't wait to get to work. I loved going to work with George. That's brilliant, mate. It's so good to hear. And how did he, 
How did he sell the dream to you of Mill? Was it a sort of because at this point, for again, for people who may not know, we was at the wrong end of uh, the old division two, mm. in danger of going into the old division three, which yeah. would now be League Two for the first time in our history. How did he sell the dream to you to come from South End, a team in the same division? Did he say, Look, I've got a vision and we're going this direction, or did he sort of say, mm. We're in the shit here? We, we need help. Uh, yeah, that's a really good question because you know what? I, I'm not quite sure whether he did have to sell me anything because I think it was just the player that George was and um, and his professionalism and um, is yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I, I, whereas these days, as I understand, um, you know, they tell them how they want them to play, what what they've got in mind, where you know what kind of player they want them to be. Um, whereas George, I don't think we ever had that kind of discussion. Just gave you the freedom. He just said, "Look, I, you know, I want you, um, and you know, I want you to join us. This is, you know, I'm introducing lots of players, which he did. I think eight or nine players. But yeah. just going back to your earlier question, we were roughly at the foot of the division when I joined, mm-hmm. and I think we needed something like." 20 points out of or 20 odd points out of 30 or something like that. I can't exactly remember, but it all went down to the last game at Chesterfield um, to, uh, we had to win, we had to win and we won one nil. In fact, I got the penalty and it was, it was Cusack who put the, who, who scored the goal, uh, which, which kept us up. So yeah. Yeah, really good. So, yeah, I suppose George Graham was, was an imposing figure, wasn't he? Like, known, obviously, because of his football skills as a player. So you came in and whether whether he sold the dream or said, we need help to get out of it, we did get out of it. You played 14 times in that first season, scoring two goals. You remember your debut in a den? And you, what was it like, the old den, to play at? Yeah, I think... Uh, it, oh, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. Um, I don't know if it was my debut at the den... But I think I, we played South End quite soon after yeah. I joined. I scored again. Yeah, I scored against them. And um, yeah, the so my ex-manager Dave Smith, who was at South End at the time, he didn't he didn't have particularly nice words to say about me. He just said, "I wish he could have done that at South End." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so there you go. But um, I can't. To be quite honest, I can't remember my uh, debut at the Den. But Your debut was a home loss, 2-1 to Sheffield United at the den. Was it? Uh, well, oh if, if, yeah, if, 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 uh, Mill, if the Mill history site is, is right. We get on players a lot to say, oh, you know, I played against Mill at the den, or I was a fullback and I could feel that intensity. What was it like to be on the right side of that with a Mill crowd so close and, and behind you? Yeah, uh, amazing. Um, I know it's kind of, um, as a footballer, I should be concentrating on the game. But I can remember playing at the Old End and um, the stand behind one of the goals was absolutely full. And then inevitably, there might have been a bit of trouble in the in the stand. Uh, it was all standing at that time, of course. Um, and then you see these two police officers going up with high-vis jackets on. And then suddenly, they just disappear in the crowd. <laughs> and you think, oh my word, what's going on over there? Um, but, but, and and then also when we were at the old den, uh, because of the Hillsborough, they they put the the caging up right the yeah. way around the the um, supporting fence right the way around the ground, and you know we used to have supporters literally on the touchline. You know, there's only like a little gap mm. uh, of a running track uh, before the touchline, um, so they were very imposing, very vocal, um, and. Um, but more um, to the opponents rather than just supportive of us, you know. Yeah. You, the, you could, uh, you could, you could feel them. You could feel them. It's good to have them on your side, mate, wasn't it? Eh? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so mm. it went to the wire. We needed a lot, of, you know, a lot of results. And I think we won four out of six of the last six and drew the other two. Um, you scored, as I said, against Southend. And then in the next game, you scored away at Orient, won three, two. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah. a, there's another. There's a game I want to speak to you about in particular. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a clip from the six o'clock show. Michael Aspel and Danny Baker is at the ground, and they, they they're doing like a little. I suppose you get like these prime 
documentaries with Arsenal and Man City. It's like a mod. It's like a eighties eighties uh, version with Mia Wall. Do you remember that being filmed? No. So what was Danny that? Baker's outside the ground. I, I know Danny. Uh, Danny made himself known to me a few times. So he was talking to Michael Aspel. So Mike, it was Michael Aspel's show. It was called the Six O'clock Show. Yeah. And then Danny Baker was like doing uh, OBs uh, so, uh, to do an outside broadcast. Sorry for those who don't know what an OB is. Um, and obviously he was a Millwall fan. So he was talking about, you know, we need to win this game to stay up and play Brentford at home. And it showed a few of the fans outside. Then it was in the cha- it was actually in the change room. I'll send it to you after the show. Yeah. We'll put it in yeah, the link please, as well. Yeah. And they're, they're all in the dressing room talking. And George Graham said, I've never gone into Division 4 before. I'm not about to start now. And then it shows some of the game. It's very, very pitch side. And what you said earlier about riding tackles, you're not happy at one point. There's a big, there's a big get together, and you're at the front with about six Brentford players having a go at one of them. And the ref comes over, and then in another clip, a guy goes to actually chop you near the corner flag. You do ride the challenge, and we get a corner. And then I think for the resulting corner, very shortly after, ball comes in, Kevin Bremner scores, and um, we win the game. But it keeps cutting to Danny Baker on a touchline as well. It's like <laughs> it's like really revolutionary for the time that it was yeah. filmed. That they're yeah. doing stuff like that now, so you don't you don't actually remember that being filmed. I don't. I don't know. No, I don't. I, I used to be. I used to be the one that maybe start a little bit of anky panky in the, you know, from a tackle, and then because I had some big lads around me, well, I just used to withdraw and leave them to it and <laughs> stay away, stay away from the danger. Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb and then exactly. get away. She said, "Danny Baker uh, made himself known to you a few times." Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I'd I'd been mentioned a few times on his show, um, and and then I think it was just before we finished on Five Live, um, we made contact. My son James went to sit in the studio and and watch him do a couple of interviews, which was really oh, good of him to allow that. So yeah, I've lost contact with him now. Well, hopefully we can get it back. So I'm trying to get him on the show. That's uh, as I said, you're very. Very fondly remembered by Mill fans, and and yeah, one of the most most ones, Danny Baker. Yeah, he's, mm. been re- he's been. Do you know what? He's been really vocal lately about the current manager. But um, we won't go into that. We'll go mm. into um, talking about obviously us staying up. You remember, said Chesterfield away, you won the penalty. Big Dave Cusack scored that penalty. Wasn't he a centre back? What was he doing? Yeah, he was. Yeah, centre half. Yeah, could strike a great ball though. Could Dave? Yeah, yeah. What was very it, what, clean. Do you remember like what George said to you going into the game, or you know? I suppose there is a team talk. You, you, you lose it, your it was, um, it was, I think I've, um, it was very tense. Uh, it was the last game of the season. We knew we had to win it. Uh, there's some tension in the dressing room beforehand with Bremner uh, and someone else about what, ticket. Two, two mill players? Yeah, about ticket allocation and things like that. Uh, oh, really? Madden, Madden, Laurie, Laurie Madden. Um They'd had, a, they'd had a scuffle. Uh, we George took us away to not, um, I think it was Bisham Abbey for like two or three nights yeah. uh, and two or three days. And we trained and kind of got to know each other because there's eight new players who arrived, or, uh, some, somewhere around that number. So there's quite a few new players knocking around. And um, obviously, Kevin and Laurie didn't get on for some reason. I, d- I don't know what the backstory was. Brems don't need a lot of encouragement. As I said, he used to be my manager. No, he, don't, no, he didn't. But they, <laughs> um, they both went to challenge the ball and they both kind of slid into the into the tackle and they slid off the pitch. The ball went, they went, and they just started rolling and punching each other on the pitch. And I said to George, shall we carry on? He went, yeah, just carry on, for, ignore them and get on with, you know, get on with the game kind of thing in training. So... And then I think that spilled over to the ticket allocation on the last game of the season. It, there was a lot of tension in the air, not just because of that, but because of what was at stake, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. So, you know what? We, we get a lot of ex-players on, and they've all been great interviews. We we, we, we know what happened with the games, but to, to hear things like we just said there, like the behind-the-scenes stuff, that's, that's all the stuff we want to do. That's hmm. fantastic. I wanted to ask you, obviously, about Brems. What was he like as a... As a I don't know what he was like as a player. What was he like as a character? Was he... One of the stronger characters in the dressing room. Uh, yeah, it was. It was always um, extremely positive. Uh, what I remember, uh, vocal, positive. Um, yeah, uh, along with other players as well. Um, you know, there were a few. 
kind of, uh, um, I think I was, I'd like to think, um, um, reasonably constructive and positive and encouraging in the dressing room. Yeah, nice. I was, I was going to ask you about a few other players. Big Sam Allardyce was in, he was at the back end of his time at Mill. Big Sam was a, a Mill player then. When he, what was he like? I didn't get to know him because George bombed him out as soon as <laughs> I got there. <laughs> All right, moving swiftly on. Nicky Chatterton. Nicky's going to come on the show next week, I think. Yeah, Nicky, um, we get on, we got on really well. He's a lovely guy, really nice guy. I'd send him my best wishes, won't you? Um, I haven't been in touch with him. I haven't been in touch with, you know, not many uh, players. And uh, I saw Stevie Lovell when he was managing Gillingham. He came up to play against Bradford, got me a couple of tickets. I went to see him then. Um, but no, I don't generally keep in touch. Um, mm. Not for, you know, not to be unsociable, but I just, I just don't. No, that's you know. what happens. Move, suppose, move mm. block players move around, don't they? And then you sort of with a new team and doing what you're doing. But uh, three players I wanted to ask you about how at this point, and this seems crazy to me. At this point, they were kids basically, and that's Keith Stevens, Alan McCleary, yeah. and right Teddy Sheridan. Was you aware of them? They were sort of just coming into it, then, wasn't they? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Rhino, um, uh, Keith Stevens. Um, yeah, right full back, very aggressive, um, naive at times and overly aggressive at times, but a really, really nice guy off the pitch. Um, Alan was just just a gentleman, you know, a young gentleman, but really good, very um, good with the ball at his feet, very calm, collected. Um, so, yeah, and Teddy, um, George used to always have a go at Teddy um, because... Um, in front of goal, rather than hitting it and placing it, he'd try to chip the keeper or something like that. You know, he'd like he'd like to do something flamboyant and um, unconventional. Where George right. said, "Just just strike through the ball, you know, strike it and hit it." Uh, but he had a lot of um, a lot of class, did Teddy? Uh, obviously proven because he went on to do those great great things. Yes, I mean, what Teddy went on to do personally, but also to etch himself in Millwall history and then the amount of time and investment that Rhino and Macca put into the club, obviously becoming joint managers eventually. Rhino, yeah, one yeah, club man. Could you mm. see that in them at that early stage, whether that disciplined and that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> good, that's what we want to hear. We've had, we have no, had some good ser stories. Seriously, no. No, I, I didn't. I, I would never put Rhino as a manager. Never. No. But, you know, we change, don't we? We mature, we, we change as people as we get older. And so, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, and then, so we stay up that season and then we move into the 83-84 season. You play 39 games, right. scoring nine goals. What was what was George Graham at this point saying, you know, okay, we stayed up, now, now we push on? Yeah, I think um, George was always thinking ahead um, and he, um, he definitely had his sights set on bigger and better things for us and um you know we never stood still and um always achieving you know always wanting to achieve more uh, and be better and be um be better better professionals mm. and i think and and it was that that's the kind of thing that was instilled and i think the ones that maybe fell by the wayside were the ones that you know weren't weren't kind of portraying that um, he yeah, was a disciplinarian, uh, but I think he was, he was also fair as well. Yeah, it he was firm, but, firm but fair. Yeah, it sounds again, mate. Sorry, it sounds quite um, visionary again. You know, back in the 80s, there was a big drinking culture. It wasn't you know, baggy kits. But it sounds like George, again, was ahead of the game in, in that aspect. Yeah, yeah we, we rarely did that. You know, I think um, probably the unhealthy things we did after a game, something like... Um, Stop for fish and chips. Oh, really? <laughs> that was like it. That. That, that was the limit. So it's a funny season because we finished ninth that season. We scored 95 goals, 71 of which in the league. Okay, you, yourself, you got nine goals. Nicky Chatterton got eight. Steve Lovell got 10. That was the start of his transition from right back to striker. Bremner got 16. And Dean Neal got 19. We scored a lot wow. of goals. So why did yeah. we go up? <laughs> yeah. Um, probably, probably leaking them at the other end. Probably. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. What did we concede? 
How many did we concede that season? Oh, I, don't, I didn't look. I didn't look that far. <laughs> just like, whoa, we because I, I, yeah, I mean, that's an exceptional season. Number of goals, isn't it? Yeah. But I think maybe um, don't forget we were kind of still transitioning. We'd we'd stayed up season before. Did you say we did? And then mm. then the following season finished ninth. So that was kind of a transition to you know where we could go and and what we did have as part of the squad. We had goal scorers, um, and maybe that's why George was so um, so kind of vigilant in working with the back four constantly. You know, yeah, just it's an unbelievable appointment. Uh, we George Graham gets a lot of credit, and so does John Doherty. But if you the appointment from the chairman is an unbelievable appointment to so appoint George Graham. I don't think he'd, I don't think he'd managed at that point. He, 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 I, th he, I think he was part of Palace kind Our of coaching, uh, setup, yeah. coaching team, something like that, Und under Terry, under Terry Venables. Yeah. So, yeah. Who was the chairman? You said that you met me at the Mill Chairman. Because the only chairman I remember is, is Reg Burr. Yeah, Mr. Thorne, Al Mr. Alan Thorne. Alan Thorne. Yeah, he was a, he was a developer. So I think he was part of the London Dockland Development Team Corporation that we, we had, that was our uh, shirt sponsor. Uh, LDDC. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good times, mate. Good times. You scored a little bit purple patch at one point. You got four goals in five games at the sort of start of this year of the season. That's what you're doing. Do you remember any of your goals at the Den Fond ones or away, in fact? Uh, I don't uh, I do remember some of the goals. I, I, I scored a couple of corking goals, uh, but um, I can't remember. I think one of them... One of them was against Gillingham. I, I felt I scored a good goal against Sheffield United. Um, um, yeah, uh, I'd have to be reminded, I think, uh, of them. That's fair enough, mate. I scored so many that season. You know, just... <laughs> You'll definitely remember the 84-85 season. Oh, yeah. 55 games, six goals, promotion and Millwall player of the year. That's not bad, is it? In the podcast there, it's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> Player of the season, mate. You must have had a serious season. Well, you know the fan. I think the fan, the fans that voted. So, um, and yeah, um, I think they're about right. Mm. <laughs> um, I think they got it right. Uh, yeah, they were. Um, but don't forget, as I said in my speech, having received the Player of the Year award, that I'm only one eleventh of the team. You know, it's the players around me that make me the player or made me the player I was at the time. So, mm. um, yeah, so it's kind of credit to the lads around me. Um, mm. Steve Loverwade in with 27 goals that season. And this is what yeah. I'll go to work. This is where he credits you with a lot of assists. He said uh, yeah. a lot of them were penalties. If it was modern day football and someone scores 27 goals, who was previously a right back, and 10 the season before, they're, they're getting a move. They're getting a move. Yeah. I a multi-million pound move as well. <laughs> oh, no. I said to Steve, what happened there? He said, well, I went, went to Gillingham after Millwall. Like, how has he not got a move with, with that amount of goals? Was he that good and, as a striker? And wasn't he a Welsh international as well? Yeah. That's yeah. how you see me. And he, he, he just doesn't know what happened after. He just went to Gillingham. He didn't, you know, went back to right back. But how strange was that for you? You know, he's a right back. I think. The title of his, his, his interview with us was, uh, I'll play out front gaffer. He just said he volunteered at half the mm. jest and ended up scoring mm. 27, 37 goals in two seasons. He, he just had this um, this knack of just when he hit the ball, it, it hit the target, you know. Perfect, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's amazing the transition from full-back, isn't it, to, yeah. to striker. And, and sort of being so impactful, so in such a short space of time. And two other additions I wanted to talk to you about at the club, looked through the squad. And there, was, there wasn't many additions for that, that season where we did get promoted, but two very notable ones, John Fashnu and Les Briley. Of course, Les would captain us for the one and only time in our history. You know, what was he like, Les? We, I think he came from Hereford, didn't he? Lower leagues. He, um, oh, I was just about to say which team he came from. Uh, yeah, I've, I've met Les a couple of times when I've been down the ground because um, uh, I think he helps out at the home games on a Saturday. He does. I, uh, I, I, I sit where I sit. He greets you as you go in. Yeah. And every Saturday, I'm like, you're right, Sir Les? He's like, all right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> lovely. Sir Les every Saturday. He, 
we always Liz and I always got on really well, both on and off the field is a good guy. Um you mentioned Fashionu. Um I didn't get on with him on and off the field, so it didn't matter, you know. Oh was, really? Yeah, yeah. Um didn't have a great deal of time for John, I'm afraid. Do you want to elaborate or not really? Uh, no, I think I think generally a lot of people know that. Um, you know, well the team did at the time. I just felt that it was slightly overrated for you know for the kind of uh, yes I know he scored goals and things like that but he just couldn't yeah. control the ball that was my concern <laughs> that is brilliant and honest as well I love that so you're well you're, I just I, and I told him and I told him and he and I think that's when it started uh, I, I told him in the dressing room afterwards and um but I told him at half time actually and then he came he got me by myself afterwards and he said you ever say that to me again in front of the players? And he said, you know, and it kind of it was like a, a threat type of thing. Um, and I just said, well, you know, it's the way I'm feeling, I have to tell you. You know, George was very direct with some of the players and I just thought, well, you know, let's let's say it as it is, really. Um, I just felt he had a real lack of control, you know, just generally. Make it, John, make it stick. How many more times <laughs> Make it stick. Get people around. What, that lack of control. Yeah, make the ball <laughs> stick. Yeah, make it stick. Yeah, he he just couldn't. <laughs> he was. He and, was... And, and 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 I say that in 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 a in a yes. way, whereas it was frustrating for me because you know because I was kind of quick to support the forwards. So as yeah, the ball was played forward, yeah. I'd have like a one touch, and as as you're moving forward, you leave your marker behind, uh, but. You know, I've I found it extremely frustrating with John, and I told him so. And and we you know we're fine. I've met him afterwards, and we've we've spoken about it, and we're friendly. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But, yeah, I, you know, I've got an opinion. He had an opinion and, you know, th they weren't always the same, which is fine. Yeah. No, it's fine, mate. Fresh air in the dressing room and hopefully you can uh, spend a little bit less time on shooting practice, a little bit more time on making the ball stick when it comes into him. Well, I think that's what they did. Yeah, I think that's what they tried to do. And, and you know, anyway, I, I, I'll probably won't say any more about that. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. Thanks, thanks for the insight. That was really good. Another player I want to speak about, as I just mentioned, he scored 19 goals. Now, I feel Dean Neal was a player. As again, I didn't see him play, but he scored a lot of goals for us, but he isn't really that spoken about, Dean Neal. No. I don't know why, but he isn't really... I would say he's not fondly remembered, but I don't hear many. I honestly hear loads of people. My dad was. Oh, my dad is really miserable. He was over the moon. You're coming on. He's got yeah. a brilliant world player. But with Dean, I'm not saying he wasn't liked because he obviously scored a lot of goals for the club. But it wasn't. 
he isn't spoken about as much. What was he like as a player? And did his brother? Was John yeah. his brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's part of the... Um, I don't know if he was part of the first team squad, but he's definitely part of the, the club. He was he was a player at the club. Uh, but Dean was... He was also a gentleman, but I think he was almost um, too nice uh, on the field. He, he had a he had a great touch, mm. opposite to the person we've just spoken about. He he had a great and he could stick with with Dean, um, and um, and I kind of enjoyed playing with players like that, you know, mm. because you you knew the touch was going to be good. You know, you could make your run, knowing you're going to get the ball, that type of thing. Um, yeah, and Dean's, and he was very cool and and calculated in and around the area, and lovely quality touch and everything else. What I remember about him, um, and he's a really nice guy as well. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So mm. we we got promoted, of course. We'll get onto the hopefully the celebrations and any trips away you may have had. But also in that season, we had a we had a fantastic FA Cup run. Yeah, um, yeah. First round we beat Weymouth. Second round we beat Enfield. Okay, to be expected. Third round, a team you'd like to join, Crystal Palace. We uh, beat them away after drawing at the Den. And then a famous night in the fourth round, we win 3-2 at Stamford Bridge. What a night yeah. that must have been. Oh, that was amazing. That was truly amazing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we all played out of our skins. Um, I think it was a, a full house as well. So um, I don't know how many thousand people were there, but it was just, it was just fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't remember much about the game because it, it was so much of a blur. But I do remember warming up before the game and and um, how the ground was filling up and the atmosphere it was generating. And then you obviously hear the the lads, the Millwall lads, coming in and you know shouting your name and cheering for you and singing along. But yeah, I mean, it's just what you know what what a win away from home. Yeah, must have been in front of a. It's like you said, it was a full house. Obviously, when you joined me, when we was really struggling, I think we was playing in front of crowds of four thousand. That must it must have been a yeah. different experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it was. Um, yeah, I think I think. Um, I mean, it's a bit obvious what I'm going to say, but um, to play, you know, to play in front of a packed stadium, and rather than four and a half thousand or whatever, you know. It's just a completely different atmosphere, but yet, can you know it? It can become quite overwhelming, you know, because of the intensity and the noise. Um, yeah, I mean, I made my debut for West Ham at Old Trafford, and um, literally, I'd come from Barnsley as an amateur, and within a couple of months, I was actually playing for the first team, which I never expected to do, but I did. But I can remember warming up on the pitch before the game and the stadium Old Trafford was probably 100% full by this stage and then Man United ran out and the cheer and the intensity and the volume just it made me jump it was so like what what's that and it was and it was a bit like that at Chelsea you know that it was just so noisy and so loud yeah yeah just amazing Brilliant. amazing time we then go on to beat Leicester in round five, beating them 2 0. I don't think, yeah, Lineker was, Lineker was playing in that game. Oh, was he really? Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think Leicester were not sort of the, not the force they are now, but where they are now, but obviously there was. Uh, or well, young Gary Lineker, but that have been Alan Smith playing up front with him then as well. Uh, I can't remember, I can remember Lineker playing though. Hmm. Was he like playing against? Well, I suppose he wasn't as a big star as he was. No, he wasn't. No, later down the line. Well, you know, we beat them. You know, it's kind of. He got sucked know. in by the atmosphere, mate. Didn't he? he got sucked in? And yeah, yeah. They, I mean, you know, the the den, the atmosphere at the den. It, it, I'm sure it puts the fear of you know whatever into <laughs> the opposing team. I'm sure yeah. of it. I'm sure of it. I mean, just just arriving in the car park, uh, and then. You know, there are all the Millwall fans around them and that intimidatory kind of feeling. And they go, oh, my God, you know, look what we look what we got to put up with this afternoon, you know, whatever. Um, and it, it's that, you know, it really, I think it really puts some some players on the back foot a little bit. 100%. Have you got any, you know, particular incidents where you saw a player from the opposition or a referee or the away fans like completely sink under the occasion? Um, 
So I've put you on the spot there a little bit, haven't I? No, I'm not. I don't. I don't think I did. I what I do, what I do remember certain confrontations with Millwall fans and other opposing fans. Though we, I'll tell you a very quick story. So we we travelled to Leeds and we'd gone. We travelled on the train, and we stayed. I think we stayed overnight. Did we stay overnight? Yeah, I think we stayed overnight. And um, so we were travelling back by train on the Saturday early evening after the game. And um, so we were at um, Leeds Central Station and uh, waiting for the train. And so all the all the Millwall players had like huddled together on, on the platform. And then all the Millwall fans started coming on the platform to join us. And then the Leeds fans are on the opposite platform. Then the Leeds fans run across the lines, the railway lines, to get to the Millwall fans. And it's all off, you know. And then we kind of stood next to all of this. So... Oh my God! What the hell? He was watching it all. Yeah, we were watching it. We we were next to it, so it was. Yeah, so you know, and I know Leeds fans are notorious for their, you know, for what they do, and uh, well, they'd met the match, I think, with the Millwall lads. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. Say no more. So the cup run obviously ended at Luton. I don't think we'll, we'll go into that one unless you've got no. any good good things to say about it. No, so. It's very unmillwall like what happens next. We sort of get promoted without much fuss. Um, yeah. We, we, we win games we need to win to the point where I looked at the, you know, you said Chesterfield to stay up, went to the last day. I couldn't even tell you at what stage we knew we were up because we were seven points clear of the, place, uh, the team below us in fourth. At that point, top three teams went up. Yeah, well, you, you are now putting me on the spot, Dan, because I can't remember much about that as well. well I've, I've listed the last three games. Bournemouth at home, 2-1 win. Plymouth at home, 2-0 win. And then last game, Brentford away, 1-1. But it must have been done by then. It was seven points clear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know what? Um, I, it's, I have kind of a really vague memory of, of um, promotion. Um, other than, you know, we achieve what we set out to achieve. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah, just, just a vague memory. Um, I can't remember the celebrations even. You know, if yes, obviously we celebrated in, but then we all kind of dispersed, went home, end of Celebrations, season. Celebrations, night, uh, nights out, and end of season trip. <laughs> None of that. None of that. <laughs> it happens, mate. It happens. Don't worry. I suppose we're on a budget as well. We didn't go away, I don't think. Um, can't remember if we did. No, I don't think we did go away. But we just say it was that good. The whole thing was a blur. It was yeah. three, three, three weeks, 10 weeks of chaos. It's so good yeah. you can't even remember it. Hmm. No, it was yeah. good. No, no, all I do remember the elation that's attached to promotion. Uh, and and I think you're right, you know, is um because I mean I, I didn't live in London, I lived in Essex, and the few other lads who didn't live around, some lived towards Kent, places like that. So, you know, we weren't kind of local. We were, you know, we just dispersed and went our own way and said, right. You're due back whenever, you know, six, seven weeks off, whatever it was for, for yeah. pre-season. And off we went again. I think if you did go out, I think George might have uh, had his spies out anyway and brained you all in because... Yeah, probably. We got promoted and we went back into... Okay, so where are we now? I nearly went down to League 2, League 1. So now we are... We're in we're in the Championship now. Yeah, we're in the Championship. Yeah. We would then be Division 2. Mm. Um mm. But you missed a big chunk of the start of the season. You didn't play until Christmas, is that right? Um, that that was that was just another injury. I think that was an yeah. injury. You played twenty eight games that season, didn't score, but you didn't start playing until until Christmas time. So you must you missed a big chunk of it. What was yeah, the injury? Yeah. Did it reoccur amongst? So no one did. No, it, it, it was it was a knee injury, and yeah. I think I had what they call a lateral tendon release. So. Um, the tendons that go down from the the thigh go down across the patella down and and connect there. But there was so much pressure on it, they relieved some of them and diverted them down the side of my knee. Um, and um, so yeah, so I was kind of recovering from that early early part of that season. Right. Okay. You come back inside about Christmas time. How did you find having coming back from an injury? How did you find the step up? You, you uh, played well before, of course, previously. Yeah, a lot of clubs. Yeah. No, I didn't. I, no, I mean, um, 
I think it helps with my fitness level, you know, that kind of, with my fitness levels. I was I was always a really extremely fit, if not one of the fittest at the club, whichever mm-hmm. club I've been at. Um, so um, in terms of fitness level, it's fine. But no, you know, I'd, I'd also played at a higher level earlier in my career yeah, exactly, as well. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel out of place. I didn't feel like it was such a big step up. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, you know, think I kind of accommodated the step up quite well. Nice. And then we'd say when you joined the club and we're in this relegation dogfight, potentially going into Division Four, could you see into the future? And someone said where you'd be now, you as a team, not yourself personally. As you said, you'd already played higher, but could you think? Someone said to you, right, in eighteen months' time, you, you're not going to be sort of mid to top end of the championship. Would you have gone? Well, I can't really see that. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I suppose, yeah, I don't know. I'm back then, um, but but football, as as we know, it's um, you know you can't really predict, can you? But what you can yeah. what you can kind of remind yourself of is that the man in charge, and I think it was I think it was him. You know, that was the he was pivotal within mm-hmm. the club. Uh, the selection of players, how cute he was uh, in terms of player selection. Uh, and he saw something in players that maybe others didn't see, and um, and you know, and and he followed that his dream basically. And I think that's probably what it was. Mm. I think maybe from my own personal experience, he's not as a player, but doing what doing what I've done. And I'm not saying I'm a world beater, but people say to me, "Oh, you've done quite well," you know, what you've built. But when you're in the moment, like as maybe as players, you don't ever stop to think, "Oh, we're here." You just sort of keep going, don't you? And then. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah, like, and it might be a bit like that as a player. And I've often been reminded through through you know my life after foot after football as well. Like, why don't you you know pat yourself on your back for doing that? But I think it's what football taught me. You just you know you kind of say, hey, that was good, and then you move on. Uh, next one, yeah. You move on to the next game, the next season, you know whatever it is. And um, yeah, that was good, but yeah, we're moving on. Brilliant. And talking about George Graham, I say this is before my time. I have researched it. I believe at this point, around March, George Graham leaves the club. So you had George for the majority of your meal time, but then he is obviously headhunted by Arsenal and goes on to do amazing things with them over the, mm. many years. Um, obviously, he was a brilliant manager, so he must have been sort of, you know, was there talk of George could... Did you think as players he might go, you know, could be clubs? As, as a lot of times you look at players and think, will this player go? As players that have played under him and believed in his dream and you've gone on the journey with him, did you think he may go if someone come in? And would you expect it to be someone as big as Arsenal? I I never expected the move. Never. No. Um, I, I, you know, just thought, is my manager and, and that's how it's going to stay. And then it was, it was such a shock, uh, a surprise in terms of, is moving and and um and a shock that I was losing a great manager, mm. um and uh, but but when you looked at what he'd done at Millwall, it wasn't such uh, a massive surprise that um, you know he was going to the Arsenal. How did you find in that? Fact, in fact, in fact, I think his book that he he wrote, yeah, I got a mention that um, he was going to take me to the Arsenal. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's in his book. Um, it's not made up story. And um, <laughs> like that. <laughs> and like, yeah, um, be a brilliant move. And uh, and he said I would have taken Anton, but he was two years too old or something like that. Something. Oh, like that. Really? So how old were you at this point? In your... I think I was about twenty-eight. Yeah. Oh. So he wanted a well, obviously he wanted someone younger. Um, um, but yeah. So oh my god, imagine. But um, yeah, and then um, I think soon after that, uh, Stevie Coppel got in touch, or Palace got in touch, and I—I I don't think I played a game under Doherty at all. Right. Okay. So could we just we just wind it back a bit, a bit and then we'll yeah, get yeah. on to that. So I just want to know so much about George Graham. I must be driving you mad. But did no. he come in? Do you remember that? I mean, it's a nice, a long time ago. Was there a conversation where he must have come in and said bye to the players and? Do you remember that day and how it went or not, really? I can't ever remember that, to be quite honest, Dan. I can't ever remember him coming into the players 
and oh, saying, really what just gone yeah i think what what i can remember i mean i you know i'm i'm there to be proven wrong i mean some of the yeah, other yeah. players nicky chatterton might know better than me the next time you know the next interview but um i can't specifically remember him coming in and saying this is what's happened i'm going to arsenal I just and think you, just saw, I, you see it in the press or when you got into I think, training. Gone. I think there was there's rumor, and then I think it didn't turn up to one game towards, and we said, oh, you know, the kind of rumor went around that George might be leaving. Yeah, uh, and I think Theo, you just put Theo in charge that that yeah, day. Phone, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and then he it just just disappeared, and, and um, you know, kind of my kind of um, the manager that had taught me so much, my educator has mm -hmm. left. So must be I know it's like I know your life goes on in Europe. You must have been a bit of a kick in the bollocks and you see it a lot in football. Someone comes in and they just don't fancy you despite what you've done at the club or wherever, it's like oh you know, it's yeah, just, I, you... well Doherty, because I think the contract was up as well, uh yeah. I, he wanted to sign me, but I I I I just didn't, you know, I just Felt maybe a change would be better. Yeah. Um, oh, so the doc came in, uh, but you said you didn't play under him, but he, he wanted to sign you. So did he offer you a contract? You said no, and then he didn't play you or something. That's how it went. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Hmm. Was he like, hmm. I suppose you didn't get along with him, the doc, did you? But was he not? I, I, no, I, I, I didn't play underneath under him at all. I didn't I didn't play a game. Oh, really? Hmm. Was that punishment, you think, for not signing the contract? No, I don't think it was. Well, yeah, it probably was punishment, but I, I mean, I'd, um, I, you know, I think it was when George left. In in my mind now is that I left quite soon afterwards. Yeah, I forget you did. Wasn't long. That's what I thought. So well, that's I think, why I, I, I wasn't was sure if you overlapped the dock or not. But you did, but not for long. I think there's a was there a preseason? Was it towards the end when George? Was it towards the end of the season when George, George left? left in March 1986? Went to Arsenal. So it only been April May left of the season, wouldn't it? Only been two months left. Mm. Um, and then, as you said, you was out of contract at that point, was you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think Palace had shown an interest. So, nineteen thousand pounds you left and joined Crystal Palace. I least called them something else. Then no, I'm joking. The enemy or one of. This is the <laughs> thing as well. Like, let's be honest with you. People said, "Oh, Anton, brilliant." And my dad said to me, "I said I got Dave Chatterton, uh, sorry, Nicky Chatterton, and Anton." And he went, oh, Anton, brilliant, what a player. I said, and I looked at Nicky Chatton's stats. I said, he scored a few goals for me. And he went, could never shake the tag of Crystal Palace. Nicky Chatton, he said, I don't know what it was. So I, I don't know what you did. You did well, but you've done something. But you you'd previously played for the arch enemy. And then obviously going on to Palace, still to this yeah. day, mate, very fondly remembered. Yeah, and I'm, I'm absolutely grateful for that. But the story I was telling you beforehand when... These guys called my name going up the stand last season, I think it was. Um, and they came running up to me. And, uh, you know, they said, oh, we used to watch you and that kind of thing. And yeah. then right at the end of the conversation, before I went to sit down, he said, we we, we, we didn't forgive you for going to Palace, you know. <laughs> so, I, think I, I, I didn't, honestly, I mean, it's, it's so naive of me when I think back, but I didn't realise it was, you know, there was such tension between the clubs and well, those. I, I don't think it's as, it's as ferocious as where you was before Southend. No one would say their names, but like, we forgive you. you know, the fans obviously didn't care about that. So you give your all for mm -hmm. the club, mate. And I say you're very fondly remembered, but you joined Palace for £19,000, right? And I don't know what this is. You may not know either. The, the, it was funded by the Palace Lifeline Appeal. What is that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you just knew it was right, but you didn't know what it was. No, no. I just knew Stevie Copper was extremely keen to get me and uh, make me part of the, the team. Um, and yeah, um, no, I, I, I'm trying to think of the chairman at the time, but he initiated the that uh, scheme that you just mentioned. He mm. initiated that. Not in grand. What? I know it's, I know it's in the eighties. Yeah, but not I, in know, I know. I know. Like pocket money, isn't it? Yeah, it is, mate. And then obviously, you, unfortunately, I think you only played 12 games for them and then you got a career end in the injury. Is that right? Yeah, um, ankle. Oh, ankle. Yeah, 
Um, and uh, yeah, so I had, a, I had surgery. Uh, they removed 19 pieces of loose bone from my ankle. Jesus. One of them is quite a big piece at the very front of my ankle. And then it didn't function as an ankle for a sporting person. Um, it didn't function as it should. Um, and then I had to retire. Um, the ankle was always troublesome. I had years later surgery and they put in an ankle joint, a, you know, a new ankle joint. Um, and then they found five years after that, that the, the material that used within the joint was starting to eat away at my bone. Uh, mm-hmm. So they had to remove that. And I've now got a fixed, like a fixed ankle joint, which doesn't cause me any trouble whatsoever. But the sporting injuries I did pick up, um, they're now kind of, you know, I can feel them in my body and yeah. that type of thing. Back then, so, mate, yeah. it was... Um... It wasn't like it is today, is it? Big squads, you play one game, you rest, it's like 11 players, yeah. get on with it, play 50 games a season. And it, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't just that. There was, you know, oh, oh, you're injured. What is it? Oh, the ankle. Or oh, let's give you a, let's give you an injection and, mm. you know, get you out there. So was it a combination of, it wasn't like, a, you know, like a leg break or a really bad ankle snap. It was just a culmination and a collective of the injuries that would happen over the years. Yeah. Just, did you know it was coming yeah. when, when it happened or...? No, no, it was, it, you know, it's just like, I suppose it, it's, it's the tumbles, the kicks, the tackles that you get over, you know, so many years. Um, and then I was playing for Palace and I was defending on the left-hand side. So I was running kind of backwards towards our goal. And then for, for some unknown reason, my ankle just gave way. Mm. And um, it was like, you know, being shot by a sniper. It was like, like straight down. And um, uh, I couldn't put much weight on it. And then they brought me off and then we did some rehab and I said, it's not getting any better. And and as I said, you know, they, I went to Kingston upon Thames for some surgery and that was it. It was, you know, and, and my career was ended. Such a shame. And at this point, was you must have been sort of 29, 30? Uh, I was just 30. Hmm. So what did you do? What did you do next? What was post football? Um, I went into I went into working um, at a private school in the South End on Sea area, uh, and at the same time, I'd I'd already started some soccer schools uh, in the area, and so kind of in school holidays, I ran the soccer schools, and then in term time, I was at the school, and then <clears throat> uh, came away from the school. Because the soccer schools, activity camps, tennis camps, um, all sorts of different camps. 3,000 kids used to attend over a period of a, a year. Oh, and um, 100 staff working for me. Um, oh, really? And Big operation. So we just, so we, between me and my wife, we just built that, that, that up um, in the South End on Sea area, Colchester area. We had two sites. Um and then kind of um, my dad fell ill um, and we kind of folded everything over a period of about 12 months, uh, came north and um, and kind of helped my mum to manage my dad. And um, yeah, and, um, and I, I moved into um, buying and selling property and land and things like that and built up a portfolio, that type of thing. That's, uh, I went into that. Nice. So architecture and, and property has always been a you know high interest to me, and yeah. design and style and things like that. I don't mean the way I dress. I mean style of in as, <laughs> as a house. You know, um, I, I don't often. I, I do do these interviews, and and sometimes I don't ask people what they do after football. But yeah. I'm not just saying this. I found you like nothing like I thought, and really fascinating. So I'm just like, yeah. when I asked you to come on, you said you was boring. You said you wouldn't want to hear from me. Well, I, I, I probably think I am. No, you're really, really. I live not. here by myself, and um, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere, and uh, you know, and so. Sounds like my dream. That I hate people these days. I'm getting older. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I have done a lot of charity work though since I've left um, the game. Oh, so I've worked um, 21 years. Well, I, I worked 
about three and a half, four years for Samaritans. And then I've worked 21 years after that for an organization called Cruise Bereavement. Um, we talked to people who've lost someone. Um, and then we just started a new project, Have Cruise. And I go into prison every week and speak to the prisoners about the deaths that they've suffered, uh, not only just whilst they're in prison, but before they came to prison. And so that's a new project that crews are doing. So um, that's kind of a pilot um, funded by the Ministry of Justice. So that's, I find that kind of fascinating work. And also just started training some of the prisoners up to become like uh, peer crews workers. Um, so they will see the prisoners and if things get a little bit too difficult for them, myself and my colleague will step in and take over kind of thing so yeah so it's, it's fascinating work. yeah you're even more fast you just enlighten me even more and listen <laughs> you've been brilliant and i you know i love our fans but i'm looking at the sort of type of person you are to our fans work we, we like but you're, you're loved and you loved our club it doesn't maybe on paper seem like the perfect match is it what what did you make of our fan base as a whole when you was there um it must be a bit different to what you used to yeah, I, I was um, I was really touched by the fans. Um, there is a, a story that I can share with you that, um, and it makes me feel quite emotional actually when I think about it now. And um, there's this, so I'd come out of the dressing room and there's this guy who was a, a regular supporter and somehow he always was able to get into the, into the, the building. Um, and I think he might have been a volunteer or something. And um, he was stood there with, with a partner and a, and a little a little baby and uh he went hi anton i went oh hi and uh said um do you want to meet my son and i went yeah of course and i picked his son up and held him and he went we've named him after you we've called him anton brilliant and i tell you what that was such a moving humbling thing to happen um yeah and that kind of um that kind of uh, tells me uh, a lot about the Millwall fans and supporters. They're just, you know, they're maybe a bit boisterous, but they've got a real heart about them. You know, there's something about them that they make you feel, you you know, that as I said earlier, that they make you feel proud and privileged that you're part of the club, that you it's um, you belong to them. You know, it's a sense of belonging, and it's a it's just a great feeling. You know, but also a humbling feeling because they are so special. No, that's absolutely brilliant. I've got. We're going to end with the best memories, but I think maybe we should that, just. That's it. it. That. That's my best memory. You know that the, the, the baby being named after me. That's just amazing experience. Absolutely brilliant. And okay, one last question. I will. I will ask it. Is it about George? Um, no, it isn't about George, <laughs> and it's definitely not about John Fashion either. Because if you could go out tomorrow, meet up, and have a little reunion. With three of your ex Millwall teammates, you can only take three. Who are you meeting up with? Yeah, well, one of them would be David Stride, and sadly, is no longer with us. Um, was he a so that would... Did he play for Chelsea as well? Yeah, he did. Yeah, looked him yeah. up. To, looked him lovely, up your show. Lovely guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so definitely Stridey would be one of them. Um, I think for a bit of. Um, Liveliness, I might choose Rhino as well. <laughs> um, I'd like to think I could take George with me, uh, but um, you know, I'd love that, yeah. Um, I think, I think, I think probably Les as well. There's probably yeah. so Les, yeah. So Les, yeah, down with him. Can't He's yeah. I, I see him regularly. Well, I see him when I go down there. So, um, yeah, he's lovely. Always greets me, you know, just really nice guy. Brilliant. So. Mate, it's been an absolute, honestly, an absolute pleasure to have you on. And next time you do go to the den, if you don't mind, just, just send me an email and I'll maybe come and try and meet me at the bar. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah, hopefully we can exchange numbers, Dan, and um, and then send me that link as well. Yeah, I will definitely, yeah, we'll do that over email. So email me your number over and then I'll keep it on my telephone. Brilliant. Top man, Anton, thanks so much for coming Cheers, on. Dan. Exceeded expectations. Brilliant player, but what, what a great man as well. Thanks so much, mate. Lovely meeting you. Top man, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. Okay. My best wishes to you all.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.